Welcome to the Athlete Plus Network, the art and science of developing athletes. I'm Kevin Carr, industry professor at the University of Florida. I serve as the host of The Hit Show, a podcast devoted to discovering how I transition people who are behind the people or the athletes themselves who are on the court, on the field, in the pool, on the diamond, and the people behind them that support them, that make them great. So we're going to talk all things to particular athletes, agents, coaches, experts in the field, even in the entertainment space or in the legal space we're covering it. So today's guest I would like to introduce to you is Mr. Lou Almondson. Lou was born in Ventura, California. He played basketball for UNLV. And one thing he did, he took care of business and transitioned to the next level and played 13 years professionally, including 10 seasons at the NBA. He's a fan favorite in particular cities like Phoenix. And he even did great things like star in movies, which he's going to tell us a little <laughs> bit about. He's someone that I think people ought to know because he did multiple transitions year after year after year and kept reinventing, re-engineering, retooling himself in his transition. So today we're going to cover things about how he went into it, got through it, and went out of it. And some of the emotional and mental, as well as the entrepreneurial things that he's doing now. Please, without further ado, one of my favorites from my entire 14 seasons at the NBA, Mr. Lou Almost. Welcome to the hit show, Lou. Thank you, Kev. Thank you so much. Uh, happy to be here. I almost forgot about the the, the movie thing. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> I, we, we, we're research one school here, so we do our research <laughs> on our, our guests. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. bring up a couple of things here and there. So, but, you know, tell us a little bit about you. My first question to you is who is Louis Gabriel Almondson? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, let's see, where do I begin? Um, I was born in Ventura. However, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, which um, is a kind of a unique place and, you know, very open-minded kind of place. Um, and uh, most of my life, I've been a basketball player and uh, an athlete. So um, that's kind of been my my focus um, for most of my mm-hmm. life, just uh, really um, going, for, going for that, uh, working hard, um, you know, being committed and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. really just going for it. Yeah. So before we jumped into your, your pro career, I want to take you back. What was it like growing up in your family? You, you're six, nine, man. Do you come from a family of giants? Do you, is it you the one that hit this spurt at some point? Nobody else in your family is tall as you. Tell us about your background and family and, you know, sure. sort of your makeup and what made you guys kind of special and unique. Sure. As a family. Um, yeah, I am definitely the tallest person. My dad is 6'5". My, my, my mom isn't so tall, but uh, my sister is six foot. And, and um, you know, so, yeah, definitely I, I, I can um, attribute a lot of my success to my, my parents and just the way that they always supported me and just who they were as people, who they are as people. You know, I think... Um, it's funny. I, I, I feel like my mom and dad are, are very different people. They're kind of on opposite sides of the spectrum. So it's kind of weird to find myself somewhere in the middle of that. But, you know, certainly I get a lot of my work ethic and, and, and my commitment and, 
and my attention to detail. You know, I, I can draw those lines back to my parents for sure. And, um, you know, and then just, you know, throughout my early years, you know, that support that I got from them was, was truly, you know, instrumental. And, 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 um, you know, I was thinking about this other day, like, you, it just takes one person to believe in you, you know, for you to kind of cultivate that belief in yourself. Of course, you know, your parents are, are usually those, those first people that do. And they really believed in me and they supported me throughout my life. Um, and, uh, and so that was hugely uh, important for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's one of the things I'm thinking about when you're talking about you and how you grew up was, you know, you became uh, an elite athlete. Well, you know, you, you grew up playing probably multiple sports, but how did you start gravitating to, to the, to the orange peel, to the ball, <laughs> you know, you know, what, what, what made that grow in you? And when did you sort of like really take shape in that space? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I played a when I was a kid, actually, my first sport was tennis that I got into. My dad played tennis. Oh. I was playing tennis. Um, I was playing baseball. In fact, I, I my first love was baseball. So I was, um, you know, on a, a high level travel team as a as a young kid, you know, all star teams in baseball. And so I really thought I was going to be a baseball player. It, I, I guess the downfall, I was the catcher. So, <laughs> so once I started growing, <laughs> the catcher didn't quite make too much sense, but no, I, 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 um, I played tennis and basketball in, in, until my sophomore year. And then I kind of transitioned from there into basketball. I don't know. I just, I just kind of, I, I love watching basketball. Of course. I mean, I was so many memories of watching Jordan and watching playoff games and, and uh, it was just so exciting. I remember we had a little a mini basketball hoop in our house that we grew up in. We had this really kind of unique house with, you know, 30-foot ceiling, kind of atrium. So my dad, he's a big sports fan. And, and so he, you know, this is, <laughs> this is a kind of a funny story. But he, he put up this mini hoop. And, you know, so we, we would play on that and stuff. And he would measure me and, like, you know, because I was growing so quickly. And, and one of the things that we would do is he would adjust his hoop so that I could barely, I couldn't quite dunk on it. And, right. you know, so during the, during like the commercial breaks, we would go and like shoot and I would go and see if I could dunk. And, and then, you know, he kept like raising the, 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 the level of the, of the and, basketball. And did hoop. you know he was, dad, dad was sneaking it, <laughs> that was raising it up on you? Did you, did you, did you get that sense he was doing it? I think at first I didn't, like I was just, you know, I, I think he didn't tell me. Yeah. At first I didn't. He, he's kind of, he's a scientist. So he, there was kind of this like scientific method. He would, he would take my, my height measurements and plot it on a graph and say, you know, look, <laughs> you know, um, and he, I guess he had this plan for me to, um, to, uh, to you know, it, it worked, it really worked well, but yeah, he even, um, he took, he took this, you know, cause I broke the rim on this hoop. So he took this little miniature hoop. I mean, it was metal. It was like, it was like a proper hoop, but just smaller. And he took it to like a local, uh, welder guy and weld on a, a breakaway rim. So I could really dunk on <laughs> it. And, and uh, so, so that's kind of, you know, where I, that was early. That was, you know, I was like eight or 10 or something like this. And, and um, 
And but yeah, I think just that and the excitement of of the NBA, the playoffs, watching Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in high school, when I you know started growing and and I realized you know I I, I definitely uh, to play, um, was, was cool. And so, so let me ask you a question there. This, this is the point. Like, when did you know you could play? Like, I'm sure you either played on AAU or, you know, US AAA or one of these things or CYO or whatever, or travel team. And then you were playing with all these guys. And then at some point you realize, you know, man, at the high school, maybe I could get a scholarship or something in this. What, when did that moment hit you? let's see, probably the summer after my sophomore year of high school. So I had kind of a breakout year, my sophomore year in high school. But, you know, this is in Boulder, Colorado. There's not a lot of competition. There's not a lot of diversity. So I was good. And then I, I, I started playing AAU and summer basketball. Our AAU coach, the, the, the team was just kind of a disaster. So, so that didn't really exposed me much but um but i i i did play in some like you know it was it was called the double double pump it's these two guys the pump brothers and they would run yeah, these the camps. pump brothers yeah I'm familiar, the pump brothers right yeah. out of california yeah. right i know them yeah. yeah yeah so so they you know they had these exposure camps and i started playing i played my first time playing and that was the summer after my sophomore year and this was kind of right after I started like dunking and, and like, you know, I, I realized like, you know, I could do stuff that, that most other people couldn't do. But then when I went mm-hmm. out to California and I played in these camps, I played, you know, in, in this all-star game at this camp, you know, that was like an eye-opening moment for me because it was basketball mm-hmm. played in, in a very different way. <laughs> You know, I was used to kind of okay. more, more slower tempo, you know, kind of mm-hmm. less, not, not the athletes that, 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 you know, so when I got to this camp and, and it was mostly, it was mostly, you know, mostly brothers, it was like, they mm-hmm. showed me how I was like, oh, this is how you play ball right here. You, you run okay. up and down the court. Like, I got to up my game. Yeah, it was like a, They're taking me to school around here. Yeah, no, nah, I can't have that. I got to I gotta get in the gym. I got to work on my... It was a wake-up call because, you you know, they just mm-hmm. the way that the game was played was, was so different. And I was, oh, wow, okay. Like, this is how... This is the the intensity that, that it needs to be played with. This is the speed that it needs to be played mm-hmm. with. And it was very different from, from what I kind of had up until that point been around. So, so... Sure. You know, but I, I had, but I, I could, I was able to compete at that level and and really do well. Yeah. So that really showed me, okay, like I, I I get it. And you know, I think anytime you're going for something, you know, to kind of have it defined or, or kind of distilled in, in in a manner that that you can kind of understand it. At least for me, you know, that that was that was mm-hmm. huge because then you know what you know That's what it takes, right? Um, right. You know, you know what it takes. You know, like you, you see, you know what it's gonna, what, what has to go into it, and um, mm-hmm. it's no longer a mystery. You know, and you're like, okay, if I can just do these yeah. things and get my game to this level, that was really the moment when I, I, I had an aha moment. Like, oh, like I got a ways to go. Mm-hmm. I gotta, you know. But also the moment when I was like, okay, I can do this. Right, love that. So when you think about that moment, you made the huge leap to basketball mecca in UNLV, the running rebels. I mean, think about the history there and 
You've had great players who've come through there, you know, like Greg Anthony, J.R. Ryder, Junkyard Dog, yeah. JYD go there. Lake. I mean, like, think about LJ, yeah. Uh, Stacey yeah. Alton, Blackman, so you, you, a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You now you you're part of that. You got in. You you did your thing. You had a medical redshirt your freshman year due to a thumb issue, but you started making progress. And when you got to UNL, the you know there were some things that that obviously weren't ideal, but you still fought through it. Talk to the athletes here who make the leap from high school. The college and the people who support them. What what's going through your mind when you get to UNLV and you're yeah. not starting, you're hurt, you're injured, yeah. and then you finally make it into the lineup and maybe something else happens? Where 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 and how do we support and fight as athletes, but also the people that kind of help? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a, a big leap. You know, uh, every level that you that you ascend, it, it's this kind of readjustment, this addition in, in kind of you know back down in the bottom <laughs> and um and you got to be comfortable with that i believe you know and you got to be humble and you got to be willing to put in the work and accept that role and um so yeah you know going there you know from high school you know it's like you're playing now you're playing in in 20,000 seat stadiums you know uh Thomas and Mack Center you're you're going to you know your games are on ESPN so it's a bigger stage and so to be honest, you know, I remember one of the, my freshman year, we played in Cincinnati and Cincinnati, you know, at that time was, they had a really strong program and, and, you know, it was just, a, again, it was just this jump that was like really kind of, it was, it was a challenge, but mm-hmm. I really relished the challenge. I really, you know, I think for me, it was just kind of finding a way, any way that I could contribute, like finding a way on the floor. Like that was the one thing that that really mattered to me or, or that I kind of dedicated myself to was like, okay, look, I'm not going to be the leading scorer here. I'm not going to, you know, whatever, like I'm going to come off the bench, but what can I do to make myself uh, known out here? Like how can I be a valuable Mm -hmm. asset to this team? How can I help us in some kind of way? And then just, you know, I mean, just instinctually, I mean, you just, that, that means, the effort has to be on 10, right? And, right, right, on 10. <laughs> and, and so that's basically um, how I kind of, you know, I, luckily UNLV time was going through a little bit of a transition themselves. They had been, sure. you know, they, 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 it was a new coach, Charlie Spoonhour, late Charlie Spoonhour, amazing mm-hmm. coach, by the way. But it, uh, mm-hmm. th- they were coming out of, out of some trouble with NCAA. So, you know, they, they sure. were uh, restricted on the, the the recruits that they had. So lucky in the sense that I was kind of thrown in there as a freshman. And yeah. um, I don't know that I really was ready for that, uh, if I'm honest. But <laughs> yeah. it, it helped me because, it you know, I think you just mm-hmm. you get exposed to that early. And, and again, you, you, you that experience is is worth its weight in gold. And, sure. you know, so just to have that experience and, and to, to know what it takes and, and uh, that really kind of me. Uh, yeah, forward, wow. Yeah. Really, really that, that whole leap into college and trying to start in row is never easy. You know, a lot of guys play a lot in college and they get a chance and you, you got your chance before we talk about how you transition to the pro. I would, I would, I, I want to invite you 
to maybe talk to us about a, a pretty epic issue that happened with a friend uh, while you were in college who, who um, unfortunately passed away. Talk to us about the impact of losing someone to a mental health issue and, you know, taking their own lives to suicide. Talk to us about how we can help you as uh, someone who went through it and maybe you can help someone else who might be dealing with it. And, and what was some of your feelings as the athlete who actually had a friend and you, you talk about, you didn't even really know. So can you share? Sure. Of course. Um, Yeah. You know, it was, I was just, in fact, I'm going through some old boxes and found some articles about, about this and just kind of brought back all these memories. But yeah, it was, it was tragic. Um, My best friend, actually, we were high school teammates and, um, you know, I think any athlete understands when, when you share a bond with a teammate, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a real strong bond because you also share this love for the game, which really further, um, makes you brothers. And, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, we, we both, Billy and I, his name is Billy Feeney and we, we both, uh, we transferred high schools our senior year. So we ended up at the same high school and, and we were just immediately um were you know kind of best friends and and yeah he he we both he played at portland state his freshman year and then he ended up transferring to new mexico which was actually in our conference Mm -hmm. so i had seen him i had seen him that um the year prior and you know he was uh on his you know back then when you redshirted you had to wait a year so he was at the game but he wasn't eligible to play so i you know i would just remember seeing him and and being so excited that we were going to get to, you know, compete against each other for four years. And, and, um, and, you know, so the, 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 the summer after um, my, my freshman year, uh, he, I, I, I got news and, and it was late in the summer in August. I got a call from his sister and she told me the news and was just kind of devastated um, of course. And, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it took me a long time to kind of come to terms with, with that and, and why that happened. And, um, you, you're faced with all these questions about why, and if there's something that you could have done or, um, just why, you know, and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, because he was, he was just a really, he was such a likable guy. He had so many friends, you know, on the, on the outside, um, he, he was just this fun loving uh, guy and, and, and seemingly, you know, had everything at his fingertips, you know? Um, but I think that's a lesson, um, that you never know what, what is going on interior to people, you know, on the inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is why I am so passionate about mental health and, um, you know, mental, uh, wellness and, and, and just because it, it really, um, it's it's it, it's it's such a challenge um, for everybody, but um, for some people, it's an insurmountable challenge. And um, mm. I, I just it's it's it breaks my heart to understand that you know I mean in, in the end that's what I was kind of um, left with was you know like um, we can never know why. Um, all we can know is that he was in so much pain and it was so insurmountable mm-hmm. that that was the only exit. 
and that breaks my heart, you know, and, and so, um, you know, I, I, it's a tough one, you know, um, how you can deal, deal with, with that. Um, I think that, you know, you, it's, it's, it's always just good to be open. Um, I know it's hard for, for kids in high school because every, because high school, you know, there's so much stuff going on and, and friend circles mm-hmm. and cliques and, you know, people, you know, you're trying to figure out who you are as a person. And so the open honesty and, and the rawness of, of kind of, you know, where you are mentally or emotionally um, is not always easy for kids. Um, but I think mm-hmm. creating a container or a space for that to, um, to be comfortable to express that and communicate that, I think that that goes a long way. I, I don't know that it's always the best. Of course, there's ther- therapists in high school that you can talk to, but I, I often think that, you know, that age, they, they, I think that, you know, it's not always easy for kids to be that open mm-hmm. with, with um, adults even or, or, or therapists, you know, at the school. And, and, um, and so I think, you, you know, it's really important to meet kids where they are. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I think through sport is, is, is a way that you can connect with kids and, and, and hopefully find that openness. Um, but I would say just any athlete or, 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 or friends or teammates, just um, don't be shy to kind of um, open up about, you know, your struggles or, or what, what's on your mind or, or what's heavy on your heart. I, I think that's important to share that, not just, to, you know, for other people to say, oh, like, they're, they're, you know, something's not right here, but also just as a healing uh, way of, of communicating, um, sometimes just getting it off your chest and, and, and telling a, a friend or a teammate um, is, is healing in a way. Um, mm-hmm. So I would just, you know, I, I, it's, it's never easy. And, and I would just encourage, uh, you know, athletes, teammates, parents, anybody, um, you know, just, just be open about because also sports does bring a lot of stress and a lot of pressure to, um, to your life, you know, especially if you're playing at a high level at a young age, it's okay. It's good to talk about that, to express that, to, you know, be vulnerable about, uh, your fears or, or vulnerable about whatever is happening. You know, so I would just encourage athletes and, 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 um, teammates and, and things of that nature, just, just you, you know, you could off, you know, you, you be open about it and, and, and maybe that right. promotes the openness on the other end. Hmm. I appreciate that. And, you know, definitely, you know, we want to take that time to, to know that it's now always clear where people are and what's happening with them. So anytime an athlete or the persons who support them can take a minute and, and really have authentic conversations that are transparent, you know, and really are helping the athlete support them mentally and emotionally um, and, and physically that needs to be done. And, and that's where, you know, this Institute's so helpful about the research and the excellence that we're trying to strive to help coaches and the people who help coach and support, you know, athletes. Um, you know, one of the things I want to shift is, you know, 
you made it to the to the big show, the NBA. Eventually, you you took a path that's non-traditional. We will talk a little bit before you got to the big show. You actually went to the early, early product of the NBA. It's minor league called the NBA back then, the NBA DL, right? Yeah. Member Development League. Yeah. You were like fresh out of college. You, you, you know, tell us about what it was like when you went from from college to pro and then to the NBA. All those steps, like you did the long haul. Yeah. You like did a couple couple years to try to get there. And some people lose that drive and lose that focus, but you were still able to do that. Talk talk to us about that. Right. So I, I you know, I was my senior year. I had a, I had a, a good senior year, and, and I was projected to kind of be drafted. I thought that I would be drafted, um, so it it was a kind of big disappointment when on draft night my name didn't get called. Oh, you didn't get called. Didn't get huh? called. So, um, you know, I, I you know we talked to my agent and and we um, you know we 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 came through uh, right. We signed with Sacramento, didn't make the team in the preseason, and then I. Um, you know, signed with the D league team. So, so, you know, for me, it just was like, there was like this moment of, of course, kind of disappointment or, or discouragement, but I only let myself feel that for a moment. And then it was, and then it was, all right, like, this is what it is now. And I'm going to, yeah, time to step up, step my game up. You know, that's really the only option for me. That was the only way I could look at it. And it's mm. just a, another challenge and another way of kind of figuring out like, okay, how do I, how do I make this work? And, and how do I, um, you know, I, I just think, yeah, I think um, your mindset when you kind of, when you go into these new environments is really important, obviously. And if you kind of mm. let yourself be um, disappointed or, or if you let yourself be, kind of worried about I, I remember I um my my roommate in college the name of Ernest great player in high school and and I we we would talk a lot about about kind of things and and you know how you know how things were going team and and I remember he would always worry about who they were bringing on like who the next recruits were you know and and <laughs> if they right. if they were like if they were good if they could play and I just remember having a totally different mindset that was just like, I don't like if I handle my business and I do what I know I can do and I put in all the effort I know, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they got bring, who they're bringing in or who comes, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that's the mindset that you have to have, uh, you know, the, that I've tried to always have of like, look, you know, I don't worry about what I can control. And, you know, first and foremost, that's my attitude and that's my effort. And, you know, mm-hmm. whether you get in the game, whether you, whatever, the, the ball bounces your way, uh, that's another story. But, but, you know, as long right. as you can control those things, um, I've always felt that, that, that good things will happen. Yeah, you always hear about the, the, the opportunity starts in the mind mm-hmm. and your mental state of mind says it all it sounds like yours was like hey i'm gonna get to the nba um but i gotta start here and i'm not even worried in college i'm not gonna worry too much about that you know even in this g league and then you get to the nba right yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, well, the, the D League back then. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, right. So, you know, I just, I just kind of embraced it, and and I was, to be honest, I was lucky. Um, I, I was assigned to this D League team here in Colorado, which is close to my home. So that was lucky. That was a Colorado Fourteeners. Yeah, the Fourteeners. I remember that, right? Which they don't exist anymore. <laughs> uh, don't exist. Yeah, but we, you know, lucky again. We had a great team. We had a great coach, Joe Wolf, who uh, played at UNC with Jordan. Um, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we we had a strong team, and so I think that was really lucky. I was able to, you know, to kind of mesh. You know, I hear all these hor- horror stories from other people that played in the D League of of how bad it can be and, and, and how toxic, mm-hmm. you know, that environment was and how it's kind of just a me, 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 you know, like guys are just trying to get there. Right. And, um, you know, I, I just didn't have that experience. You didn't have that. What was yours like? Just one of chemistry and trying to. Yeah, it was, you know, and I, and I think, you know, not that I take all the credit for this, but I think we had other guys too that, that really um, understood that that attitude. I mean, this is any team, right? This is any team I've ever been on. But it's like, you know, mm-hmm. when when you have that kind of, how can I make my teammate better, or how can I, how can we support each other? And and, and you know, if you have mm-hmm. that attitude, um, it really goes a long way. And certainly, we, you know, we had some good players. We weren't the be- the most talented team out there, but um, we just kind of. We just kind of understood that if we wanted to have success, we had to play for each other and we couldn't just be like trying to get our stats. Right. How would you say that played into you having a long NBA career? You talk about the concept of team. You you like went 10 years, you defied the NBA stat of, you know, five year average, 4.7 or something like that. And you went 10 in the league, but you did it differently, man. You played like 10 different teams <laughs> in 10 years. Or, yeah. Am I correct? Right. That's correct. That? Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's good or bad. <laughs> I think you can look at it in both kind of ways for sure. Um, but you know, I, at the end of the day, I, 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 I did, I got very lucky. I was able to, you know, but I, I think part of luck um, honestly too is, you know, maybe you've heard this. I'm sure a lot of people. It's like luck is 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 when is when you're prepared for opportunity, right? And and so mm-hmm. I, I always, you know, I always prided myself on my work ethic, on being professional, on being ready all the time. So when my number was called, I I I played well. You know, not always. You know, sometimes I did not play well. You know, but more often than not, when I when I got that opportunity, I I delivered. And so I think um, that, mm-hmm. along with the fact that, again, I think at, at the pro level, which is a little bit different than college, it's really you know it's it's really specialized. So right, you have scores, you have defenders, you have you know energy players, mm-hmm. you have. You know, you really have to find your niche. And, you know, I think when you're on the end of the bench, as I was most of my career, um, you know, your attitude is, is also important because um, coaches mm-hmm. and GMs, uh, you know, front office, they, they understand and they realize how important that is, you know, to not, you know, there's no time for, for, for guys to be in their feelings or for, for, for guys to have, you know, there's just no time for that, you know, like, 
they want guys right. that they know are going to be ready they know are going to be you know kind of ha- have this this positive mindset be good teammates yeah and so i think honestly part of my success was just that oh it, not my basketball ability or, or you know it was just simply that there was one at a time that you became a, a fan favorite because you you rode a bike to the arena you didn't pull up in your porsche you didn't pull up in your lamborghini you didn't pull up <laughs> in your four by four you you rode a bike to work every day talk about how people gravitated to you on that and yeah. made that kind of uh, your signature at one of the teams, you you became fan favorite because of sort of how you you operated around outside of basketball, even right? Yeah, I think that was maybe part of the narrative or the story. You know, I, I you know I was an energy player. This is in Phoenix, so I was an energy player there, and and you know, so um, we had a lot of success in Phoenix, and you know, I. I I just became kind of a fan favorite because of bringing that energy, you know, kind of this underdog, you know, that it was out there just throwing my body around hustling. And, and so that really inspired people, I think. And, and then, and then I, yeah, I guess the the bike thing just kind of got woven into that (laughs) whole narrative, which, which was funny. I never kind of did it for any, you know, for any other reason that it, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> you know, I was living. I, I, so you wrote, you rode your bike from your apartment to the arena. Yeah, what did so, you do? You know, so like, look, I, 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 I was living in an apartment downtown, which was maybe two or three blocks from the arena, and this is in Phoenix. So, mm-hmm. so in you know, in the winter, it's like. Great weather, it's super like hot, seventy and like sunny. Oh, great, great weather, that's yeah, right. Yeah, in winter. the summer is just unbearable, but in the winter it's like perfect. So I just, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not gonna take my my car there. That seems dumb. So I, yeah, I just right. took the bike, and then <laughs> you know, like people started noticing, like Shaq, you know, Shaq, you know, this whole thing with Shaq, he would, he would, uh, he would hide my bike every day. So he, Shaq kind of loved this whole thing, and he would like. My first year there, he he was uh, he, he, that was Shaq's only year. He, I think it was his only year, maybe his second year. But but yeah, every day he would, I would park my bike in front of the locker room, and I would be the first one there, you know, because I'm a I'm a young guy. And so when Shaq would show up, mm-hmm. he would take it and he would hide it somewhere. Um, you know, he's just a supreme <laughs> jokester, so he he would like go and hide it like somewhere behind the bleachers or that he would like hang it in the rafters and he would do this like the whole year and i would have to like go and ask the um the the people that worked at the arena where the bike was and and, um so that was funny i ended up doing like um like a segment on nba green week because they wanted to Mm kind of highlight people that were doing i remember yeah yeah so you know i i I didn't, but the real story is I just, I thought it was a good idea. It was nice. It was nice to take the bike to the practice, you know, <laughs> the wind in yeah, your hair. Super convenient. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and back then you had a lot of hair, bro. Yeah. You had like a ponytail rocking and everything. Yeah. People, people really liked the, the minimalist kind of vibe you were giving. Yeah. Back then. Right. So, I think that fit, and you that, still, you kind of got that. Yeah. Now. I think that fit in with the whole kind of, um, you know, that, that kind of blue collar kind of, you know, effort, energy player, um, mm-hmm. it fit into that whole thing. So it just ended up 
kind of working out. But I, I still get people that ask me about the bike, and it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. What about when you knew your career was transitioning, you got towards the end, you actually took your game overseas, but when you knew it was close to the end, what were you uh, beginning to think about? Because at some point, every athlete has to transition and, you know, lean on people to start asking questions. Were you doing stuff like that? What were you doing when it came to the end? And when did you know, it's like, hey, man, it's time for me to do this yeah. and go pivot and do something else? Yeah, I mean, I, I of course, you know, I was um, I was active with Ears Union. Um, they, they offer a lot of programs for athletes in transition yeah you you actually had a position in the union too right you 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 did a ton of i did stuff a lot of stuff them, yeah right? I, was, I was i was i was just a uh, a team representative so you know yeah every team for people okay. that don't know every team you know they have one or two player representatives that communicate with the union and show up for the summer meetings and we'll kind of report back to teams mm -hmm. so i did that you know it was really interesting you know the kind of Involved on that level, uh, you know. Also, we went through the lockout, the lockout, right? And so, you know, I was, you know, it was just really interesting to kind of be in those meetings. You know, I'm, I'm just these meetings with owners and David Stern and 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 uh, kind of, you know, in the back rooms of all, you know, of this like huge, obviously negotiations. Um, you know, so, so that was really interesting. That kind of gave me you know, kind of a, a new perspective on, on kind of the business side of, of basketball. And, um, but in addition to that, I, I, I participated in, in many different um, programs that they, that, that the league offers or the union offers. So you just weren't like playing and not paying attention. You were trying to figure out like, how do I begin to get some of the support and take advantage of some of these programs to sort of look at what's next for me? Yeah, always. I, I was, you know, I mean, I was always kind of, I'm, I'm just curious in nature. And so I was always kind of just, you know, using that time to kind of, to learn more and to find out about things that I, I may like or may not like. And so I, I, I tried to, to take advantage of that. The other thing that I was going to say is that, you know, the other thing that I did was once I kind of, you know, knew that I, I was on the tail end of my career was I, I just kind of slowed down a little bit more. I appreciated every moment more. I, I really had this gratitude and, and, you know, I would, I would soak it in a little bit more because I knew that it wasn't forever. And I think that's a really interesting piece that I think maybe is missed um, sometimes, you know. Um, we can be so consumed by what's our next step and, and how do I, you know, which, which are all relevant and, and important things to do. But I also think the other important thing to do is to really relish those moments and to understand that you're not going to be here forever and, and to really appreciate that experience and, and be thankful for that. And, and I think that goes a long way um, as we kind of talk about, you know, transition and, and how to navigate that. I think that goes a long way towards being able to do that more successfully from, from kind of a, a psychological kind of um, mental wellness standpoint is, is really knowing that, that you, you were there and, and, and you really appreciated every moment of that thing. And um, 
Mm-hmm. I think that leaves you with the ability to transition more gracefully. Why is it why why is it so hard to look at that? Because I've thought about it in a duality mindset too. As I've worked and tried to coach athletes, I've said like, so let's think about what transpired here. You're one of the few that actually made it to the highest level, and I'm talking about in the globe. And that means you're one of the 450 best. And then there's some level of appreciation for that, I'm sure. But then there's these things that along the journey, when you think about the body of work it took to go from early middle school, high school, college, pro, there's there's this thing in our mind that maybe we should be thinking, what did basketball give me? Like you said, this appreciation versus so much of the loss of it, like, man, it's going to suck not playing. Yeah. Man, I'm not going to make that kind of money anymore. Man, I'm not mm. going to get the access and exposure mm. and opportunity and you know abilities to do what it is. But I think we're looking at it like perhaps maybe you tell me, are we looking at it wrong when we transition and not look at the positive upside and say, you know, I wrote 10 strong chapters, 13 strong chapters in the NBA or between the NBA and international. That's a great body of work. So I'm going to take what I learned from that and be appreciative. Talk to us about where you see and how you think of it like that. Is that maybe a way we can begin to help thinking about the aspects of it that have grown us, cultivated us, developed us, and prepared us for what's next? Yeah, I, I, for sure. I think, you know, again, back to kind of that mindset and the difference in those those two kind of approaches, one of saying, one of like lack in saying, oh, like, who are they going to draft next? Or who they, Who's on the team? Or how, do, how am I going to deal with this not being, or, or versus one of kind of abundance of like, wow, this is like, this is an opportunity here to really learn and grow and and, and that's kind of, again, I mean, how I've, I've approached all of my transitions is sure there's some fear and sure there's some unknown, but, but that stuff's exciting. You know, that should be exciting. And, and we should look at that as opportunity to learn and to grow. Sure. You know, I, 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 I just think that that's, that sounds, it sounds obvious, but I think, um, it, it makes all the difference. And, and um, and it's that attitude that really matters. Um, so, so yeah, right. I, I just, I, I truly believe that that's, that's where it has to start. Also kind of having this kind of grateful kind of humbleness to you, I think also leaves you in the right place because, you know, you're, you're, I'm always eager to learn. I'm always comfortable starting at zero again. You know, I'm always, I'm always fine with, with not knowing stuff, you know, and, and it's exciting to me. It's exciting for me to, to learn a new skill or develop new abilities. These are things that I think are exciting. You know, they can be a little bit scary at times, and, but, but it, it, that just kind of changes into excitement for me. And, you know, I think that, again, that's just important to, to kind of keep that mindset, even when, even when you know it's, it's 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 you know you're you're kind of outside of your your familiar elements and and uh, you know just to keep that that curiosity going and keep that attitude high and, and keep that positivity up. These are just basic things, but they make all the difference. Love that! What a great response to that. 
fast forward now, you're in the midst of your transition. You've been out of the NBA a little bit. And I know you've lived abroad some. You go back and forth to Colorado. What is it now that you've been out a little bit? You talk about what you do now to continue to grow, develop, and push yourself personally and professionally and and physically. Because I know you said you you're, you're still an athlete. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, it's it's still. In process, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of in this transitionary stage. And, you know, so it's been really interesting for me. It's been really illuminating on many different levels. I've experienced just so much growth and, and, and you know, learned so much about myself. You know? my, my thought now is now that you're sort of in your space of transition, the, the hardest part about it for you has been, and what are you doing to to overcome that when you have those moments of, you know, challenge or frustration and, and perhaps this can yeah. be helpful to, to other people. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a challenge. Um, it's extremely challenging. As I was saying, I, I'm, it's still in process, you know, I'm not fully formed. I don't know if, <laughs> you know, I'll ever be fully formed, you know, right. But, but um, I think there's been a few, a couple of things that have really been instrumental in me kind of, kind of, you know, with this transition and, and just my, my mental well-being, mm-hmm. you know, one, one thing is I, I am always grateful that I have a lot of, I have a lot of interest uh, outside of basketball. You know, I, I know that that's sometimes not the case with other, you know, I, I have friends and teammates that like, like ball's life, you know, like that they just live and breathe and, 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 uh, you know, all their time is devoted towards that thing, which is, which is cool, you know. Um, I've I'm just very, you know, honestly grateful that that I have other interests outside of basketball, and they were things that kind of were on the back burner for me for a long time. You know, now that I have all this, you know, kind of freedom and, and more ability to pursue these things, it, it's it's been really amazing to kind of see the growth in those areas and, and see how how that changes me and my outlook on life and on myself and on my identity. I think that that's one is that I I really like, I've been so happy and and thankful to have those outlets where I can still learn about myself, still test myself, still challenge myself. You know, I think the most important thing and the hardest thing for us as athletes in transition is finding something that you're passionate about. And um, I think because, you know, Right. At, at, at that level, like, you know, we, we've been doing this our whole lives and, and we are obviously extremely passionate about that. And we love the game so much and we love to play so much. And that's what pulls us forward. And when you are kind of left in a- with, with that absence of that, it can be really, really tough because you, you no longer have that kind of guiding force in your life Absolutely. That, that, that really you 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 trust and, mm-hmm. and and you believe in and 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 you're good at you know so so i think you know for me you know one of the the, the huge things was was kind of finding something that i'm about you know uh, and it, it it may not be on that same level as as you, the sport that you played and, and that's okay but you know i think that is super important it is just exploring and finding something that you are as passionate as you can be about, you know, 
and so that comes in many different forms. Um, I uh, the other thing that that's that's been really hugely important for me is having and meeting a, a, a mentor and a friend oh, wow. that I've been kind of talking with throughout this experience, and and it also ties in with something I'm passionate about. So I I love art. I make art. I I, I paint. Okay, and so um, this is. This is one thing that, that you know, I, I, as I look at it, you know, when I look back to when I started it, mm-hmm. it, it's given me so much as far as kind of, right, uh, something that I feel passionate about, something that I can kind of throw myself into, something to teach me more about myself, something to challenge me, mm-hmm. um, something to really inspire me, you know, and, and, and Honestly, I, I don't know that I would be on this path without my mentor. His name is Michael Schulteis. He's an artist out of Seattle, but amazing friend, amazing friend, an amazing person. And, you know, he he was, you know, again, like, it just takes one person to believe in you to, uh, for you to kind of start believing in yourself and, and, and to motivate yourself to really to take that forward and go for it. And, and you know, this this may not be something for me as as um kind of a viable career or as something that whatever but it's just been so important for me on so many levels that i can't imagine not having that Mm. so again yeah you know a a mentor that you can talk to and open up with about the challenges you know and and it's funny you know art is so different than sport okay which which has been kind of one reason why it's provided me with so much growth Mm -hmm. uh you know is that it's it's so different you know in in sports it's like it's so um binary it's like you you score the ball people clap their hands you get immediate reinforcement that you did it right you know you, you 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 understand that there's rules to this you know there's no you know either you win or you lose it's not like oh like we don't know an art is just so different. You you don't know when you're done. You don't know if you're doing it right. You don't know anything. It's just this open, right. you know, landscape and canvas. So it was really kind of it's liberating. You know, I, I freedom, was like art. almost it right. Is. It is. You know, especially in conjunction with kind of this freedom I felt from from the sport. You know, where I, I had some ability to travel. I didn't have these really intense obligations anymore. And I was seeing kind of feeling myself grow in all these new areas, which was really amazing and freeing, but also, you know, challenging because it, you know, it challenges my athlete mind. It says, okay, it has to be done this way or, or, you know, these are, these are the rules to the game. This is, you know, this is what needs to step by step, you know, this is the play, right? It wasn't like that, but there were some really kind of familiar things, you know, kind of that commitment to it, that that idea of a practice, which I think is really important. Develop a practice. Um, and, and, you know, we as athletes, we know how to do that. That's so familiar to us. So to have that where it's kind of this practice that I can go to and develop and see myself grow, I think that's that was just something that was hugely and it still is hugely important for me throughout this transition experiencing 
what a what an amazing response is really depth and gives us like this sense of how you can you know whatever it is for you as the athlete that you're into you can pursue it and if you have an open mind to it it can reward you back it can give you some freedoms and liberties that you never thought if you release yourself so i mean that's right that's a powerful that's right you know i think i think i'm reading this book you know has this analogy of like you know, there's a guy walking down the street and there's another, he sees another guy in the dark, it's at night, and he sees another guy looking around under the street lamp for his keys. And the guy says, what would you lose? He said, oh, I lost my keys. And he said, well, did you lose it here? He said, no, but this is where the light shine. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think it's really a poignant kind of metaphor of like, often we are, we, we constrict our focus onto the known, onto what we know, what our purview is and mm-hmm. what we know our experience is. And, but we don't know what we don't know. And, and oftentimes that courage of going into the dark, of going into mm-hmm. the unknown rewards you in such a way that you're just so thankful because it, it gifts you these things that you never had imagined before mm-hmm. were possible. I love that. What a a nice metaphor for like going beyond what's in the light sometimes, what's the obvious, right? Mm -hmm. And pushing ourselves to Mm -hmm. go into the unfamiliar and go into something unknown. Man, that that was powerful. So now we don't like to transition into our last part without doing this fun part, which is the speed round. So I'm going to ask you a round of questions as we get ready to close here. And you just give as quick one word, limited word responses, so we get through all of them. Ready? The speed round you've entered, Mr. Lou Almondson. <laughs> what is your favorite song to work out to or to relax to? Man. Or what type so of music? Um, type let's of see. Music, type of music. Uh, well, my girl, my girlfriend's a DJ, so I say some of her stuff. Uh, you know, it's mostly <laughs> good, good, house good. music. House music. <laughs> good, 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 good. I like house music too. All right. What do you think? about when you're alone or driving in your car, riding your bike? Oh man, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> okay. uh, what do you do to, to relax and be stress-free? How about that? Yeah, I listen to music. I, listening to music I, always for me is, is something nice, but also just kind of, I just, I just kind of, I, I soak in some of that, you know, those moments when you kind of just soak in that silence and you know, there's that awareness. That's, I love those, I live for those moments. <laughs> Okay. What's the best place you've ever dined and had a great meal? Ooh. Okay. There's a place in, in Bali actually called Sijin. It's like this kind of Japanese, Korean steakhouse. That's, I think, probably my favorite restaurant in the world. Talk to us about this and I'll, I'll leave you with this. If you could do something with someone on this planet that would be impactful, uh, whether person is present or the past, uh, who would that be and what would you guys work on? Ooh, man. Maybe, uh, maybe Mark Zuckerberg. I, okay. you know, I think there's a lot that we disagree on, but I think okay. that this, you know, I, I, I think maybe, maybe there could be, there's just so much impact of, of, of digital media and, and, and social networking. I, I think, you know, maybe, uh, maybe him or, um, Elon Musk. <laughs> All right. Oh, you picked some big, big dogs. All right. Mr. Lou Almondson, how do we follow you? How do we stay up on all things about you? What is the way to consume you, support you, 
you know, be behind you because you're doing it in your transition and we just want to continue to, to learn and, and support you. Do you have social media handles or are you doing something out there we should follow if there's a book you've written or something up and coming we ought to know about? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I do have, I have Instagram. I, I haven't posted anything in, in maybe a couple of years. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not a, yeah, I'm super up on social media, but um, I do have an account there. I, you know, so again, this is something we've discussed a little bit. I would love to um, have more impact and, and provide kind of this help that I, that I received, you know, with, with other transitioning athletes. So, so I have some things in the work, in the works with that, that, you know, I'm, I'm excited about and, and uh, you know, as well as, you know, my artwork, uh, you know, I, I always love if people can check out my art. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, going to probably get back on there uh, to the social media platform here soon. As, as we've said, it, it's, it's the world now. So um, this is where people find you and support you. But, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're at Lou Almondson 17 on um, IGN Twitter. Yeah, so we're going to definitely follow yeah. you and support you. Well, man, I want to thank you on behalf of, you know, the University of Florida, as well as the Institute for Coaching Excellence and the Athlete Plus platform. We just don't always get this great candidness from elite athletes. And you have done that for us on the hit show. So we don't like to end the hit show without our signature guest doing the outro. So the thing you'll say is I'm Lou Almondson and you've listened to me on the hit show. Take it away. I'm Lou Almondson and you listen to me on the hit show. All right. Hey, I'm Kevin Carr, CEO of Protocea. And we close out again. We are here to uplift athletes on the Athlete Plus platform. And this is brought to you by the Institute for Coaching Excellence at the University of Florida. If there's an athlete, artist, or professional out there who's looking for support and transition, the Institute uh, as a coach or as an athlete can help you. Those even in the emerging professions of wanting to be athlete specialists, we are here for you. And we help you as well as my organization, ProtoCO, go to the next level with success. So we thank you for being with us today and listening. Stay tuned for more episodes of The Hit Show on Athlete Plus Podcast. This podcast is a production of Athlete Plus, the people, stories, and science behind elite athletes and teams. Athlete Plus is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research, education, and outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida.